Amen. Hey, we're in the middle of a series that I am so excited about called If Jesus Had a Bio. If Jesus Had a Bio. And the premise of this, uh, of this series is that on social media, there's this little portion on a social media page called the bio, and that is where people put the things that are most important about themselves. It goes right there in the bio. So for my bio, it says, I love Jesus. I'm married to my beautiful wife, Maddie, four and a half years. We have a son named Lion. We have a daughter named Mila. We live in Nashville, Tennessee. We love Way Church, and we love the Tennessee Titans. Come on. Come on. Noon today. Noon today. It's going down. Um, and so it, it, it's where you tell people the most important things about you. So I started asking the question as we were leading up to the launch of Way Church a few weeks ago. What are the most important things about Jesus? Like, if Jesus only had 120 characters to tell you about himself, what would he say? And I'm convinced that he would go to these seven statements found in the book of John, known as the I am statements of Jesus. Week one, we talked about I am the bread of life. That's Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. Week two, we talked about Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. And today, in John chapter 10, we're going to look at my favorite of the I am statements, and that is, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. John chapter 10, verse 7. This is what it says. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them in also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up. This command I received from my father. I am the good shepherd. Can you just say shepherd with me? One, two, three. Shepherd. 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 Let's pray. God, thank you for these moments. We don't take them for granted. We ask you to speak to us through your word. We love you. We're so grateful we get to do this together. Be with the Tennessee Titans. In Jesus' name. Amen. So my wife, Maddie, she grew up in a golf family. Any golfers in the room? Okay, a couple golfers. Um, grew up in a golf family. I didn't grow up liking golf. I thought golf was honestly a little boring. Uh, I didn't think it was a fun sport. I didn't even really consider it a sport for part of my life. And my eyes are now open to just how wrong I was. Uh, I was once blind, but now I see. I was once foolish, but now I'm getting wiser. Uh, golf is an incredible gift to humanity. And everything changed in my life uh, when Maddie and I were about to get married. Uh, you know, we got engaged, and I'm starting to really get to know her dad and her brother. 
and, um, and, and then her younger brother, but her older brother uh, invited me to play golf a couple weeks before our wedding. And there's a couple things you need to know about me. Number one is that I am extremely competitive. I am the most competitive person in this room. Okay? Uh, I rarely lose. It's like such a cocky. <laughs> but when I do lose, it bothers me for weeks. Uh, I'm very, very competitive. The second thing you need to know is about my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law played Division I golf at Mississippi State. Okay? So the combination of those two things does not equal a great life-giving party on the golf course. Or quite the opposite. Uh, like, like when I tell you that this day on the golf course was, was tragic to my soul, right? Because when you're going golfing with the girl that you love's brother and you haven't married her yet, you've got to be on your best behavior. So he's annihilating me on the golf course and he's like, you having a fun time, bro? And I'm like, noodles. You know, I'm just, I'm having to act like I'm enjoying myself. Um, and so it was that day that I, I made a pledge, I am going to play golf until I can beat my brother-in-law. And so uh, four and a half years later, uh, I'm very much still on that journey. In fact, I'm probably further behind on that journey than I was at the start. Um, but I started getting into golf shortly after that. Me and, and Maddie, uh, during 2020, my wife's name is Maddie, we, we would go golfing about once a week. And she would drive the cart and I would go play because there wasn't much going on, everything indoors was shut down, and so golf was still open, so we would just go play golf, and it was so much fun. Uh, my wife would drive the cart, and she treated the entire 18 uh, holes as if it was one big Easter egg hunt where she's trying to find golf balls. I'm playing golf. We're eating hot dogs. It's like, this is the best. And I remember one day, we're out there. It's like a Friday afternoon. We're playing golf, and I'm playing really good by my standards. Like, I'm, I'm hitting some good shots, and Maddie's clapping for me, and she's like, wow, babe, you're getting better, and I'm I'm kind of feeling it. I'm like, I know, you know, I can't wait to beat your brother. And just, I'm feeling it, right? Well, uh, we get to like the seventh or eighth hole, and it's this short little par three hole where there was a pond uh, in between the green and where you're hitting. And so I go to hit the first shot, and I didn't hit it very well. And so the ball went up into the air, and then it plopped into the pond. And everything was fine. Like, pride was hit a little bit. But then Maddie sticks her head out of the cart and proceeds to tell me what I did wrong. Like where I, the error was in my swing. And I was like, I don't need this. <laughs> like what she was saying was right. Like she has amazing forms. Like, I mean, grew up in a golf family. Like she, she can swing golf club. And she's like, tell me what to do. And I'm just silent. I'm just like, I'm not, you know, saying anything. I'm like, I can't believe she's doing this right now. And I put a second ball down. I look around, make sure no one's looking. I put a second ball down and I hit another one. And the second shot, literally, I, I feel like it landed within a foot of the first shot in the water. <laughs> At this point, Maddie gets out of the cart and she begins to try to show me what I'm doing wrong. And I was like, girl, you better get in that cart. <laughs> I will take that hot dog back. You know but I realized, like, like, I love it when people clap for me, but I don't love it when people correct me. I love it when people, like, root me on, but I don't really love it when people tell me what I'm doing wrong. You know, like, like we love when people clap, we don't like it when people correct, and this makes the metaphor that Jesus is using in John chapter 10 a little bit, a little bit awkward. 
Because he says, I'm the good shepherd. And the thing about shepherds is that they are often correcting the sheep. In fact, the life of the shepherd, first and foremost, is a life of correcting. And correcting can be painful. In fact, you can YouTube what it looks like for a shepherd to correct sheep. Uh, and it's not pretty. Uh, there will be sheep who are wandering off the path, and today, literally right now, there are shepherds in the Middle East that they carry these big 10-foot staffs, 8 to 10-foot staffs, and they will take this wooden staff, and they will chop at the sheep's legs to get them from going in the opposite direction. Like, full-on, just whack. It's like, what did you learn at church today? That Jesus is my good shepherd, and he will whack me upside the head with his staff. <laughs> right? Like, this is the analogy that Jesus is giving. He says, I am the good shepherd, and you are the sheep. And what he's saying, first and foremost, is that he will correct you. One of my favorite portions of the entire Bible is found in Psalms 23. It's one of the most famous psalms, and it goes hand in hand with John chapter 10. Uh, psalms 23 verse 1 says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Now catch this, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Notice it says, he makes me lie down. Whack. He makes me lie down. Why? Because I don't want to lie down. Because I'm stubborn. Because I'm always going in the direction that I shouldn't be going. Because my tendency is to do dumb things. And so my shepherd has to correct me. Before Maddie and I moved to Nashville, we lived in Atlanta. And Atlanta traffic is the devil. It's really, it's the worst. Uh, especially particular times of the day. And so there's this one um, morning, I'm driving to the Atlanta airport, and I had to go through downtown Atlanta. And um, there's no traffic. I'm, I'm running a little late. I'm, I'm in the HOV lane. I'm not supposed to be. I've repented. Just forgive me. And I'm trying to make it to the Atlanta airport. And all of a sudden, Google Maps pops up on my phone, and it says that I was being rerouted. And whenever that happens on the interstate, doesn't it always seem like it's at the worst possible time? It's like you've been rerouted. You have 0.2 miles until you need to get off the exit, and you're all the way to the left. You know, that's what happened. And so I had this split second where I'm like, do I do it? Do I not? Do I do it? Do I not? And at the last second, I made everybody on I-85 mad, and I just went to the right side, and I got off the exit. And it was one of those exits that it kind of goes up onto like a, a, a elevated uh, thing, bridge. And <laughs> so I go up, and, and I'm pulling up onto the bridge, and as I'm pulling up, I can see all of downtown Atlanta, and it was literally a parking lot. I mean, like, just one exit of, uh, ahead of me, there was an accident or something, and so every car on the highway was parked. Like, like nothing but brake lights, nobody's moving, and I, I went from yelling at Google Maps to leaving a five-star review in the App Store. I was like, praise God for Google Maps, because Google Maps could see what I couldn't. Here's the thing you need to know about God. God can see what you can. His vantage point is so much better than your vantage point. And so what happens is a lot of times an immature follower of Jesus will get corrected by the Lord and take that as rejection from the Lord. But a mature follower of Jesus takes correction from the Lord and realizes that he's being protected by the Lord. God is not making you wait for no reason. He's protecting you. God is not removing things from your life for no reason. He's protecting you. 
God is not correcting you because he's against you. God is correcting you because he's for you. He's a good shepherd. He sees the way. He knows where you should be going. He walks with you. He talks with you, and he guides you. A shepherd's correction is always for the sheep's protection. Always. So what is Jesus protecting us from? What is Jesus, our good shepherd, protecting us from? Verse 10 tells us, the thief. The thief. Verse 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus is saying you need protection because you have a real enemy. You know, I think this is something that we don't, like, probably take as serious as we should, just everyday life, how real our enemy is. Did you know that you have a real enemy and it's not karma? Did you know that you have a real enemy and it's not the person who commented a negative thing on Instagram? You have a real enemy named Satan and his entire, entire goal is to steal from you, to kill you, and to destroy you. Like, like Satan is not a cartoon. He's a real thing. He's a real person. He, he's our real enemy. And Jesus is saying, I'm protecting you from that. You want to know what is not the case? Families are not torn apart by chance. They're torn apart because the thief comes. Relationships don't fall apart because of karma. They fall apart because the thief came. Lives don't fall apart on accident. They fall apart because the thief came. In John chapter 10, Jesus is warning, it's not if the thief will come. It's when the thief comes. He's saying it's not a matter of is the thief going to come in your life or not. He's saying the thief is going to come. And I wonder what you would do if you knew the thief was coming to your house today. I wonder if you would live different if you knew that there was a thief coming to steal from you, kill you, and destroy you. I think your entire mindset would shift. Your entire mindset would shift. You know what doesn't keep the thief away? Being a good person. You know what doesn't keep the thief away? Being generous, as good as that is. Having follower of Jesus in your bio doesn't keep the thief away. None of those things keep the thief away. So what should we be doing as followers of Jesus? We should be shifting our mindset. Hey, I don't have time to keep getting in this same argument with my spouse over and over and over again. We need to be united. The thief is coming. Hey, I, I can't afford to get in the habit of not being in God's house because the thief is coming. I can't get in the habit of looking at prayer as optional. Why? Because the thief is coming. I can't keep letting social media steal my Bible time because the thief is coming. I, the thief is coming. My mindset is shifting. Can I tell you the best thing that you can do as a sheep if you know the thief is coming? Get close to the good shepherd. Get as close as you can to the shepherd because the shepherd doesn't bail on you when the thief comes. The shepherd fights for you when the thief comes. Exodus 14, 14. I don't have to fight the battle. I can just be still. Why? Because I'm a sheep. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Why? Because I'm a sheep. Genesis 20, or Genesis 50, verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for my good. Why? Because I'm a sheep, and his correction is always for my protection. This is good news this morning. So we have a good shepherd who, when the thief comes, he takes care of it. So get close to the good shepherd. Yeah. We're getting a better feel for what it means for Jesus to be our good shepherd. But what does it mean to be one of his sheep? That's what Jesus calls us, his sheep. And uh, I'm a little offended by that. Because sheep are like the most helpless animals. 
Like, have you ever been around a sheep? Probably not. Maybe. I've been to a few petting zoos recently. Sheep are not flattering animals. In fact, they are absolutely defenseless. They're slow. They're not smart. Like, like they're actually pretty clumsy. They're one of the animals that falls often. They get lost often. Sheep, like when Jesus says that we're the sheep, I'm like, what are you trying to say? <laughs> and I, I really do think like part of it is, I mean, I don't want to offend you. I'm just going to speak about me. I think part of the reason Jesus calls me a sheep is because I'm kind of dumb. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I think it's one of the reasons. Like, like I've just noticed this thing where like, I'll look back 10 years from now, or like 10 years ago, and I'll be like, man, no, you're just, you were really dumb. You ever done that? Don't raise your hand. I'm like, man, you are really dumb. And it's like, like, why did you hang out with those people? Why were you in that relationship? Why did you spend your money like that? You you were just so dumb. You're so dumb. You're so dumb. And here's the thing. I know, like, right now, I'm looking back, and I'm feeling so enlightened. I'm like, man, I'm just, now I'm not dumb. (laughs) That's how I feel right now. Like, I'm not dumb. But 10 years from now, I'm going to look back on right now. I'm like, dude, you were so dumb. (laughs) Here's the problem with sheep. We know we used to be dumb. We just always feel like we're currently coming out of our dumbness. That's the the problem with sheep. We always feel like we're being enlightened when the reality is we're still pretty dumb. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm just trying to to, to convey to you the same thing that Jesus was conveying to his listeners, and it's that we need a shepherd. We need a shepherd. We we need him. Jesus was trying to convey two things with this (laughs) metaphor, that sheep need dependency and they need intimacy. Dependency and intimacy. Here's the thing. Sheep are the most dependent animals on the planet. Without a shepherd, they die. Sheep cannot make it without a shepherd. We cannot make it without Jesus. There is not a single thing that you can do to earn your righteousness. Not a single thing. There is not a single thing that you can do to make yourself a holy person before the Lord. You are completely dependent on Jesus. You are completely dependent on the the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. She can't make it. We can't do it on our own. And, and this is uh, actually like quite offensive to, to our culture in 2023. Have you noticed that like the highest form of strength in 2023 is independence? It's like if you become fully independent, it's seen as strength. Man, they're, they're living on their own. They're paying all their bills. Look at the car they just bought. Look, they don't need nobody. The problem with that is in the kingdom of God, it's not independence that's strength. It's dependence that's strength. It's flipped upside down. But we live in this culture that's like, I'm going to do me. I'm a grind. I'm a hustle. I'm flying solo. I don't need anybody. And everyone's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Because it sounds really cool. But on the other side of it, it lives really bad. It lives really bad. When you try to fly solo, when you try to live independently, what it actually leads to is destruction. It leads to more worry, more stress, more trying to figure out how am I going to keep climbing up this ladder? How am I going to keep finding my own way? How am I going to keep providing? How am I going to keep impressing people? And people who are chasing independence on the inside, 
They're tired. They're stressed. They're weary. And on the outside, it looks good, but on the inside, it reminds me of the scripture, Matthew 16, 26. What good is it to gain the world and to lose your soul? I don't want that. Give me the life of the sheep. I want the life of the sheep. Think about how nice it must be to be a sheep. You wake up, you don't have to worry about nothing. Like, like think about how nice it would be to just never have to worry about where the water was going to come from. Never worry about where the meals were going to come from. Never worry about where the protection is going to come from. Never worry about where you're going to go the next day. What are you going to do the next day? It's just all mapped out for you by, by a shepherd. This is the life of the sheep. You want to know what is crazy? Hashtag sheep life. <laughs> what does a sheep wake up worrying about? Nothing. What, is, what keeps a sheep up at night? Nothing. What stresses a sheep out? Nothing. Because they are completely cared for to the point where they can just be fully in the moment. You ever met someone like that? Like, 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 they can have no money in the bank account. They can have no idea where they're going to spend the next week. And yet, when you're around them, you're like, man, there's something about their soul. You're like, wow, there's, there's this lightness to them. There's this thing about them that I, I like, want to be like them. You can't even describe it. You're just like, I got to be around them. I got to talk to them. I got to understand why they are this way. You know what they are? They're a sheep. They're dependent. What does a sheep worry about? Nothing, because they lack nothing. Their shepherd leads them beside quiet waters. Their shepherd refreshes their soul. He makes sure they're on the right path. They don't have to fear evil because the shepherd's rod and staff comforts them. He prepares a feast for them in the presence of his enemies. Their cup overflows because God's goodness and mercy follows them. As a sheep, you don't have to chase it. It comes chasing you. You don't have to earn it. It was paid for by the blood of the lamb and the sacrifice of the cross. Are you tired of trying to figure it out? Are you tired of worrying about it? Are you tired of getting no sleep because you can't stop thinking about it? Then come and be a sheep. Come and be a sheep. This is the invitation today. I'm the good shepherd. Let me lead you. I'm the good shepherd. Let me protect you. I am the good shepherd. Let me provide for you. Rest in the life of complete and utter dependency on the good shepherd. But also step into complete intimacy with the shepherd. This is the second thing that Jesus was getting at here is the most intimate and comprehensive of all relationships between an animal and a master is between a sheep and a shepherd. It is crazy. I was watching YouTube videos. You go on my YouTube search history, it's like all these sheep things. <laughs> and, uh, I was blown away. At first it was for the sermon research, and then it was for fun. <laughs> and uh, I started looking up sheep and shepherd stuff, and, and there are literally shepherds to this day that will have like 200, 300 sheep, and they will walk out into a field, and they will be able to call each sheep by name. That is crazy to me, because they've spent so much time together. They, they can identify them by their markings. The craziest part of this was, was there was this interview I was watching that had two shepherds, and uh, they were asking them, like, how do you, you know, tell them all apart and all this stuff? And they had, like, both shepherds' sh sheep, uh, flocks, that's the word, flocks. They had them both, like, on this big field. And on one side was one shepherd's and on the other was the other's. And they were showing them, uh, this, whoever was filming this YouTube video, 
how intimate the relationship was. So they're naming the sheep, and then it goes, and then they're like, oh, wait, watch this. And one of the shepherds turns to the other shepherd, and he says, hey, what's that sheep's name? And the shepherd tells him, and I can't remember what the name is, Johnny. <laughs> and so the shepherd that wasn't Johnny's shepherd goes, Johnny! And the sheep just keeps eating the grass, unaffected. But then when the shepherd called Johnny's name, said, Johnny! The sheep looked up immediately. Because sheep know their shepherd's voice. Because there's a level of intimacy between a sheep and a shepherd that cannot come from any other relationship. This is what Jesus is saying. He's, he's not just telling us what he does. He's telling us who he will be in our life, the most intimate relationship possible. He said, I am the good shepherd, and I know you. I am the good shepherd, and I want to be intimate with you. I am the good shepherd, and I see you. And I know you better than anyone else. Part of this that really blows my mind is thinking about how many things the shepherd sees the sheep do on a regular basis that are so dumb. <laughs> like, the shepherd sees the sheep run off. The, the, the shepherd sees the sheep get caught in the fence. Sees the sheep, like, reject the protection, reject the provision. And yet, to the shepherd, the sheep are still his prize. It's the most powerful part of this illustration to me is when I think about Jesus looking at me as his sheep going, I've seen your stupid moves. Every single one of them. I see the mistakes. I see the stuff that no one else sees because my vantage point. I see the fake bravado you put on. I see the fake confidence. I see underneath all that. I see the insecurity. I see the filters you throw on your life. I, I see you straight to the bottom of your soul, and yet you are still my prize. You are still my sheep. It's illogical. It's a kind of love that doesn't make sense, and it's the kind of love that pulls you in and makes you want to stay close to your good shepherd. And as I'm thinking about this illustration, I'm like, man, what? This is amazing. This is so wild. And then Jesus goes and, and he does something that makes you fall in love with your shepherd even more. This is what John 10, 12 says. It says, the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, everybody say the wolf. One, two, three. Whoa. He abandons the sheep and he runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. The thief is coming. We talked about that. But so is the wolf. What is the wolf? Who is the wolf? The wolf is death. The wolf is coming. I'm not trying to be that guy this morning, um, but I feel like we have to talk about it. We all have an expiration date. On this earth, the Bible actually says that the wise number their days, that they're aware that they have an expiration date. If you don't know you have an expiration date, you won't live like there's something else coming after that expiration date. But when you know you have an expiration date, it causes you to live differently now. So we have to talk about it. We have an expiration date. The wolf is eventually going to come. And why does that matter? It matters because the wolf is going to eat. The wolf is hungry. The wolf is hungry. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. In other words, the wolf is coming to pay us back for the consequence of our sin. That's what the wolf's coming to do. The wolf is coming to eat the sheep 
that sinned against the shepherd. That, that's the wolf. And so here comes the wolf. And I, I was reading this, and I never really, like, pictured the imagery until I started watching these dumb videos of sheep. And I'm just picturing these sheep, like, out in this pasture, and they've kind of wandered away, and, and they're kind of away from the shepherd, kind of away from the sheep. And I, I just had this mental image of a wolf coming, and, and I'm the sheep, and I'm standing there, and I'm defenseless, and I'm helpless, and, and I'm dumb. And this is what happens in verse 14. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and to lay it up again. This is what's crazy. In the Old Testament, maybe you've read through the Old Testament before, and so you're familiar with this concept, but in order to feed the wolf in the Old Testament, you would make a sacrifice for your sin. So if you left here and you told a lie to your waitress at the restaurant, and then you felt convicted by it, and you were like, I got like, I still want a relationship with God, I don't want to die and go to hell, you would literally have to go to a store that sold animals. You'd have to buy an animal, you'd have to take it to your house, and you'd have to sacrifice it and say, God, I'm sacrificing this animal because the wolf has to eat. I have to pay the price for the sin. I have to sacrifice this animal. I'm going to kill it, and, and then I'm going to worship you. And that was how you paid for the sacrifice. And so in essence, what was happening there is, is that sheep, uh, you, you were paying for your sin with sheep. Like in the Old Testament, the, the most popular animal to kill as a sacrifice was actually a sheep. It was a lamb. It's like the most popular uh, animal. Um, they, they would literally sell them outside of churches because like a pastor would, would preach in the synagogue, in the temple, and it would be like this convicting message or whatever, and then people would be like, oh, man, i got to go buy some sheep. Like, forgot about that sin that I had. They'd, they'd go and they'd, they'd, they'd sacrifice these animals. But then in the New Testament, God sends his only son, Jesus, and one of Jesus' nicknames was the Lamb of God. Did you know that? That Jesus had a nickname, one of many, and it was the Lamb of God, to be the sacrifice for all of your past, present, and future sins. This is the craziest thing. Is that I know that Jesus loves me because he wants to be intimate with, with me, because he wants to protect me, because I can depend on him. But have you ever thought about the fact that the Good Shepherd cared enough to exchange his life for yours? That the sheep used to have to die for the shepherd, but on the cross, the shepherd died for the sheep? Why can you call him the good shepherd this morning? Because he was willing to become a sheep. And I just pictured the wolf is coming. Joel, you can come on up here. The wolf is coming. I'm, I'm that sheep. I'm standing there. I, I wandered away from the flock. I wandered away from the good shepherd. Can I just tell you that was my story? I grew up in church. My parents are pastors. They've been pastors my entire life. And around ninth grade, I started to wander away from the flock started to wander away from what I was raised up in. And before I knew it, I'm 19 years old. I'm in a relationship with a girl who wasn't my wife, but I'm treating her like she's my wife. I'm struggling with an addiction that no one else knew about. I'm in college on the outside, and everything seems good, but on the inside, the wolf was coming. And it was a radical moment in my college apartment through a YouTube video where I realized that I had a good shepherd 
who as the wolf was right about to get me, literally laid down his life, became a sheep so that the wolf could eat on him instead of on me. The shepherd became a sheep so that the sheep could live like a shepherd. That is crazy. I remember thinking, man, I grew up, I grew up my whole life being around the good shepherd. I grew up my whole life hearing about the good shepherd. I, I grew up my whole life watching the good shepherd do all these things for all these different people, but it took me till I was 21 years old in college, sitting in my college apartment, feeling broken, hurting, tired, worried, to be like, oh snap. The good shepherd did that for me. Like, like ignore everyone else in this room. Think about, think about Jesus thinking about you in your lowest moment. Like, like, like the moment that Jesus turned himself into a sheep was not the moment that I was like, I'm called into ministry. It wasn't the moment where I was like, I found my dream girl. Let's follow Jesus together. He didn't die for me then. You know when he died for me? When I was addicted to pornography, when I couldn't stop drinking, when I was in a relationship that was not holy, he looked at that version of his sheep and said, I love that sheep so much that I'm going to become a sheep so that he can live like a shepherd. That's the gospel. Why can you call him good? Because when you were bad, he was still good. What's the difference between the hired hand and the good shepherd? The hired hand sees you at your worst and says, I'm out. The good shepherd sees you at your worst and says, I'm in. Put me on the cross. It's crazy. Will you close your eyes with me? If you're here and you don't have a relationship with the good shepherd, but you would like to, will you just slip up your hands so I know I'm about to pray with you? like to have a relationship with Jesus. You just slip up your hand. This is how I'd like to end service. Wow. I just want to read over you Psalms 23 because I feel like right before uh, right before service today, I was just praying, like, how do I land the plane? And I just felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, there's a lot of people who know me as the good shepherd, but they aren't living life like a sheep. And they're stressed, and they're tired, and they're anxious, and they're worried about all these things that I promised to give them and to do for them. And so I'd love to just close like this. I'm just going to read the 23rd Psalm with your eyes closed. I'm just going to declare this over your life. The Lord is your shepherd. You lack nothing. He makes you lie down in green pastures. He leads you besides quiet waters. He refreshes your soul. He guides you along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though you walk through the darkest valleys, you will fear no evil. For he is with you. For his rod and his staff, they comfort you. He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He anoints your head with oil and your cup overflows. Surely his goodness and his love and his mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's time for us to live like sheep again. 
you, Jesus. Thank you for every person in this room. God, I pray right now that whatever stuff you've been stressed about, whatever stuff we've been putting too much of our thoughts and energy and mind towards, God, I pray that today that you would just convict our hearts to give it to you, to surrender to you, to live a life of full dependency on you again, God. This life has way too many troubles of its own. We, we just, we just want to be in the moment with you, with the people around us. We don't want to get to the end of our life and realize that we worried our way through it and we stressed our way through it. God, we, we want to live beside those waters. We want to live in the shade of your presence, God. We want an easy burden, an, an easy yoke and a light burden, God. We, we, just, we just want to be with you. So God, today our prayer is this, be our good shepherd. We're coming back 